Tails, more well-established lesbian. Chapter 16 Gonna do things a little bit differently this week. I want to talk to you about my friend Doc. Doc was a massive, massive influence in my life that I'm incredibly grateful for. And Doc's influence was slow and steady and behind the scenes and it's really difficult to find ways to weave Doc in and out of the stories I've been telling. Partly because of the nuance and how much of a background support Doc was to me, but also because I don't want the importance Doc played to be diminished by becoming a punchline to one of my many, many dramas. You see, because Doc was never a punchline to me. In fact, Doc... Doc turned out to be a lifeline for me. You see, I'm an only child. And in my very real world, I'm one of the few butchers I know. Um, probably know a few more now, but for the longest time, been the only butch in the village. And it's quite a lonely experience because I found it to be a real double-edged sword, being butch or gender non-conforming. On the one hand, I'm unique and I'm special and I'm rare and you're gonna notice me and you're probably gonna remember me. On the flip side, I'm weird and I'm abnormal. I'm an aberration and people notice me and people tend to remember me you know the attention can go one or two ways good or bad and whichever way it goes honestly it can still feel really isolating and lonely you know it's just an outsider everywhere don't fit in with the girls not one of the boys just an outlier an outcast I think the hardest thing about it all is that there's there's nobody to talk to about it. There's nobody to say something to and have them go, yeah, God, I, absolutely, I get it. Or, oh, I really want that as well. Or just, just somebody to validate the things you like and the things you want to do. You're constantly questioning yourself about, you know, is it weird that I like what I like or that I want to do what I want to do. And it's hard without a role model or even somebody who just shares your interests. They don't necessarily need to have gone before you. They just maybe need to be going at the same time as you. you know, that would help but mostly just somebody to shoot the breeze with, chat the shit, you know, ask stupid questions of each other, mull things over. And I didn't have that. Around me, there would be people I had things in common with, but never a huge amount. There was always a line where it was, 
hard to connect where everything was so different and yeah just I just always wanted somebody who kind of just got it just understood what it was like to be me and I think this was the hope that the internet brought me was that I could meet more people and even if I didn't find people like me I could find people you know who were more like me that I had more in common with and that was a big part of what I loved about Gaydar Girls and the chat room and the lounge in there was it was just all kinds of women and of course the obligatory men who would put up a fake profile and come on in of course but you know any variation of women who love women were in that room just chatting and talking and sharing experiences and flirting and okay arguing as well but there was just this tiny little grey box in which I got a glimpse into all the different ways that people lived and presented and I started to learn so much more. Although I had plenty to learn, I didn't necessarily kind of want to learn it. There's there's something about that sort of age where you, you think you know everything and also I've never played particularly well with other butchers. I've got to be honest and not the greatest trait of mine but as I look back I just even if there was another butch around I would feel like I was in competition with her um, you know I wouldn't feel like you know we needed to like you know be friends it would feel like this is a threat this is you know I have to defend my territory they would do that level of kind of toxic masculinity because I guess, you know, I did revel in in the uniqueness, in the being rare, you know, okay, obviously sometimes it was horrible and the attention was bad, but you know, sometimes being the only one was great and therefore I didn't always handle it brilliantly when I wasn't the only one. And also, yes, there would be a girl involved and that would often be a, a flashpoint, a, a, comp a competition point if you will um and yeah I didn't have that with boys because as far as I was concerned I couldn't compete with the boy if you want a boy you're gonna have a boy but actually you know if there's me and another butch in a room then that's a direct competition that's a direct comparison so yeah and so I wanted to be the best butch I could be you know, regardless of what I do I want to be the best at it um or really really good or at least better than most people that's sort of you know how I operate um, and while I was in the Gaydar Girls lounge chat room there was one butch who seemed oh, not to rule the chat room but you know was a was an elder uh, an elder of the room had been there you know, I felt like a founding member almost um, and was just somebody that almost everybody respected and 
the fact that Doc could command such respect in a tiny little grey box just with words astounded me. Now of course you would be able to click on a profile um, and see a picture of a person but you didn't really need to do that with Doc. You know, you knew Doc was masculine without even clicking the link. Doc was so chivalrous. And not just to femmes, to everyone. Doc's signature uh, greeting was to tip his hat. Asterix tips hat, close asterix. Old school internet. Just tipping of the hat always makes me smile, always makes me think of Doc. And Doc was often a voice of reason, eh, have his mad moments like the rest of us, but was often a voice of reason, a mediator, a peacekeeper, and a voice of wisdom. You know, Doc was 20 years older than me and Doc had been there and done that. And yeah, I just slowly found myself gravitating towards Doc and wanting wanting to know more from Doc and, and wanting to ask questions of Doc and to some extent wanting Doc's approval and, and validation. One of the things I really liked about Doc, Doc wasn't a big butch. And you looked at Doc's photos, Doc, Doc was a bit like me, quite short, quite slim, but so butch. Just butch energy oozed out of every pore of Doc. You know, you watch Doc in a chat room, like I say, be commanding in such a respectful way. And, you know, I saw some of the fans that flocked to Doc and... Yeah, Doc had very little trouble with the ladies. Um, and so I admired Doc, I guess. I wanted, I wanted to be that confident, to have that much swagger about me, to be that good with the ladies, let's be honest. There's a saying I use a lot, you don't know what you don't know. And I started to find out what I didn't know. Um, sex education had been basic and useless to me. Um, I was aware of how not to get pregnant, um, how not to get an STI if I was having uh, relations with boys, but that was it. You know, there was nothing else useful. And yeah, kind of, as we all know, you've been listening, I've been making it up as I go along. Like the first time with Stacy, just lying through my teeth and, you know, fake it till you make it. Just blagging my way through it. But as Doc and I became friends and as, as Doc kind of made it clear that he was there for me and was able to answer, you know, questions, I, I did. I started to ask more and more questions of Doc. And our our friendship turned into, you know, Doc almost became a mentor. Or as I would 
have termed it, my butch guru. And Doc wasn't alone in this. There were, you know, there were some fabulous femmes in the room as well. Minx, to be um, specific, was um, almost like the femme counterpart to Doc. Um, and so would offer the femme perspective sometimes to validate uh, Doc's opinion or sometimes to contradict it and give me another point of view to think of but it would be Doc who I would more often than not go to um, to ask the things I was uncomfortable to ask and to ask the things that I had nobody in my real world to ask you know, Diva magazine was excellent, but you know, I couldn't afford one of the strap-ons that was advertised in the back of there. I couldn't, I, I didn't know how many different variations strap-ons came in. Um, and to be honest with you, there was sort of this weird connotation back then that, you know, real lesbians didn't use toys and it was all fingers and tongues and you know, there was this sort of aversion to you know, penises, phallus-shaped um, objects and, and, you know, strap-ons. And, you know, I was, I was quite young and impressionable. And I just, you know, I thought, yeah, yeah you don't need that, do you? You don't need that. Well, of course, you don't need it. But bloody fun, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You don't need it. Um, and, yeah, there was that whole weird, like gold star bit and you know curious you know when when do you lose your gold star when don't you you know would the hand job at the point at which i lost my gold star do you have to have a penis in your vagina you know to lose your gold star it doesn't mean anything anyway but there was a whole thing around you know the kind of the penetration side of things that just in this unspoken sort of shying away from it um, and this I don't know there just seemed to be this prevalence towards you know uh, more natural methods not using toys and things like that and this was just a vibe that you picked up pardon the pun um, you know, this is not like I'm saying there's concrete ideology it's just sort of how I felt around that time and so strap-ons hadn't really kind of, again, pardon the pun, come up for me at this point. But I started to get curious. And talking to somebody like Doc, whose masculinity went deeper than mine, if I'm honest, was enlightening and intriguing. And I wanted to know more. And and Doc always opened the door to to things I hadn't considered because I was quite close-minded, to be honest. Um, and I hadn't had a huge amount of exposure to the different ways of the world, and Doc became that for me. So, yeah, Doc and I would talk about fashion, for example, um, and outfits and clothes and where to buy them and how we were having our hair cut and tattoos and piercings and all that surface butch stuff um doc was a bit into leather um a lot into leather if i'm honest um and that was one of those areas where we didn't quite cross over i mean my love of leather 
was very much in the leather jacket department. I'd had uh, one run in with a pair of wannabe leather trousers and was never repeating that mistake again. <laughs> so that was one of those areas that, you know, didn't quite cross over for Doc and I. But Doc still filled me in, gave me a bit of an insight into his love of leather and why. And this also crossed over into Doc's interest in BDSM. And actually, it was this area that I learned an awful lot from Doc. Um, mostly about respect and consent and care and communication. That's, that's what mostly I learned about from a member of the BDSM community. You know, not anything, I don't know what the word many people would use, but it was all about respect and communication. And, and Doc often used examples from the BDSM community to, you know, to drive home the points around how important communication and consent really were. Um, and how vital respect and and care and especially that aftercare bit um, and how you how you manage relationships like that. I knew that there were people in open relationships, polyamorous relationships, um, in all sorts of arrangements, but it didn't. I'll be honest with you, I was quite young and quite judgy, and I just. It didn't, it didn't fit with what I thought the world should look like. And so sometimes I would be quite dismissive of it and, and Doc would take my young sneering attitude and take me to one side and, and talk to me about how some people have pushed past, you know, the, the non-conforming that I've done and have continued to seek out ways to not conform and find their happiness and whether that's open relationships or polyamory, just there are a million different ways to live your life and none of them are wrong. And sometimes you need to take care of that sneering attitude and step back and, and understand that what works for you doesn't work for me. And to come back to being butch, Doc and I are butch in incredibly different ways. You know, and I don't want to define Doc or, or tell Doc's story, but to me and my interpretation and the conversations I had with Doc, Doc identified as he, um, H-Y, or him, H-Y-M. Um, those were his pronouns, and Doc didn't identify as a woman, but did identify uh, as a butcher lesbian, I believe. Um, and quite possibly would have transitioned had Doc been born in a different time, in a different place, possibly to different people. Um, you know, if Doc hadn't have had a range of personal situations, things might have been different. But hearing Doc's experience of masculinity and seeing how Doc wore his masculinity and how much further and how much braver at times Doc would be about pushing into that and exploring that was something I admired and it helped me a great deal to understand 
how big a label that Butch is. And it's, you see it quite often, people trying to gatekeep labels because they're important to them. You know, Butch is an incredibly important part of my identity, my masculinity as a woman and how I present and how I go through my life. And I've talked about how there is a massive overlap between my sexuality uh, and my gender and how it all it all comes together to be to be this one really important factor for me but what that means and how I define it was different from Doc as I said you know Doc was far further along in I guess if you want to put it on a spectrum um, I would suggest that you know Doc would be transmasculine um, and Doc being further along that line of masculinity made it much easier for me to question myself and how I felt within myself because I had somebody who I could go and talk to about this and I know that many of you will want to do that those of you who are young and butch and and potentially confused about your gender identity or your sexual identity or both in actual fact i see you on reddit for example asking and looking for people to help you make that clarification because you're wondering and potentially you're wondering for the same reasons that i wondered because I have spent, since the age of five, a lot of time answering the question, do you want to be a boy? And if somebody asks you that question, or any question, often enough, eventually, you're going to sit down and think about it. And you're going to wonder, well, everybody keeps asking me this, should I be considering this? And... I'd always felt very okay with being a girl. I mean, pissed off that boys got all the good stuff and that it was being held against me that I wanted to do boy stuff, which as far as I was concerned was people stuff and just somebody had labelled it boy stuff. And if you just labelled it girl stuff, then we wouldn't have a problem, would we? But no, you labelled it boy stuff and so now apparently it's a big deal that I want that stuff. The way I, it just that was just the way I saw it. It didn't need to be this complicated. But it was complicated. Let's be honest, it was complicated. And as I said, this, this unspoken sort of inference that you know, using strap-ons, you know, was something for, you know, like really butch dykes to do or you know somebody who wanted to transition somebody who wanted to be a man would use a strap on you know this sort of weird idea that lodged itself in my brain a little bit and and so it was I was very much about being you know honestly a little bit of a gold star lesbian who was all about you know I'm I'm so good in bed and you know I'm, I'm all natural I'm all fingers and tongues and I'll check my skills out and what have you but you know, actually, I really was curious and I really, you know, I kind of thought to myself, 
that's something I want to do and there was nobody to talk to about that. Often the kinds of women I was sleeping with were coming at things from a very straight perspective or previous experience and that led to some one-sided sexual situations and yeah there's this weird kind of butch stone butch sort of vibe where you know you're you're supposed to be about the giving and not the receiving um and i i really struggled with that as well and doc was the person i could talk to about these things you know doc was the person who was just like you know you want to use a strap on, use a strap on. If she wants to use a strap on, you want to use a strap on, go for your life. And then I had to ask a billion questions about how strap ons worked and what kinds of strap ons there were, what the hell is an O ring, and which is the little ring that you, know, you push the dildo through, and then the harness generally attaches to the O ring and it keeps it all in place. Just in case you were wondering and you have come for strap on advice, I'd probably go elsewhere. The internet is awash with it, but. At the time, the internet was not awash with it. And if it was, I wasn't about to be typing in on the computers that I had access via. So still, strap-ons, as far as I was concerned, were adverts in the back of Diva and something I couldn't really afford. But I started to understand more and more around strap-ons and I was very curious. I didn't get to try that out for some time, but I was able to find somebody to talk about it with. And that person was Doc, who demystified the whole process for me. You know, we laughed about it. I asked all the stupid questions. Doc gave me some excellent hints and tips for the time that it would come. Like, you know, practice putting it on and off first by yourself. So that, you know, because some of them, it's confusing. Like if you've ever been you know, climbing, for example, trying to get into one of those harnesses. Um, yeah. Uh, also, good idea to put it on beforehand and get the whole, you know, waving your willy thing out of the way. You're making lightsaber noises as well. That's purely my advice. Doc was too cool to make lightsaber noises, I'm sure. But something I did. Um, and, that, you know, it's it's always good to be able to get in and out of these things yourself. That's not to say that it's not incredibly sexy to be um, quite literally strapped in. But, again, that's a top tip from Doc. And it would even extend to the fact that, you know, actually, it's not yours, you're not attached to it, so talk to her, make sure, you know, she's okay, get her to help you out, you know, if you need some help guiding it in. You know, all of these things which I hadn't considered this is the level of stuff that Doc would explain to me. And it it did. It made life less scary. It made life very intriguing. Um, and Doc opened up the world to me. Um, Doc was very much there for me when I was having a bit of a moment about fisting. Um, because, yeah not something that appealed to me and I can totally get why it would appeal to somebody else but at the time I was really struggling to get my head around that and and you know and then it was the whole how do I do it properly um and so yeah 
yeah, that was. I remember that evening's discussion where um, Doc Bless tried to try to gently kind of guide me through uh, what fisting was and just kind of calm me down a little bit because I was having a very young and immature reaction to that at the time. Um, but there was something incredibly comforting and safe knowing that I had somebody in the world that I could I could go and ask my stupid questions of you know about finding out that women squirt and and what's all that about and is that a good thing is it a bad thing and, you know just the stuff that they were not telling us in sex education I, I was so so grateful for Doc just for the sex advice alone. It was more than that, of course, because life is more than just sex. And you know, we talked about what it was like to be misgendered um, constantly and regularly. We joked about our ways of dealing with people who didn't like us being in the toilets. Because, by the way, that's not a new thing, people objecting to people being in the wrong bathrooms. Some of us have been getting that shit for a very, very long time. You want to know the reason why I go to the toilet with another woman? It's generally to validate my presence in there. Yeah, you know, not so we can have a lovely chat. It's because I'm fucking terrified of going in there alone because I have been confronted on more than a few occasions in that situation. And Doc, Doc could relate to that. Doc and I could talk about the possibilities that the way people react to you is different when you're gender non-conforming from a work point of view. You know, I remember going to an interview once in a shirt and tie that was a great tie as well. Like black, white and pink. Like lovely, lovely tie. I remember it very, very well. Very fond of it. I think I still have it. Um, but I butched up for this this interview. Um, and God, I looked sharp as fuck. You know, I cut an impressive and dapper figure. And yet, in the interview, these two women just you could tell they were on edge and uncomfortable with me and sometimes you just you just know it's your outfit and the way you look just from the way they look at you and I remember I remember talking to Doc about about that incident and I'm being so angry but I was like I swear I could just see her eyes on my tie and yeah, and then the questions would be you know, just... It was just this weird, passive-aggressive kind of snidey, you know, shots about the fact that maybe I, you know, I didn't fit into the culture there and, and things like that. And Yeah, because sometimes it's not, it's not outright and it's not explicit. It is subtle and it is, it is implicit, um, the discrimination that you feel for being different. But being able to go and sort of moan to somebody who gets it, like really gets it, you know, and can come back and tell you a story about a time that they had to deal with that. 
there's something dead comforting about knowing you're not the only one going through those sorts of things. You're not the only one who office angels take one look at and decide that you, you do not fit the bill for being a receptionist. Or as she put it, you're not really office angel stuff, are you now? One of the things that Doc and I did have in common was that we were both a big fan of femmes. Yep, big fans. And you know, that whole butch femme dynamic was something that the two of us were very into. Yeah, as I said, Doc's signature move was to tip his hat. You know, chivalry was something that Doc lived and breathed and it's something that's incredibly important to me you know and some of that is inherent within me i was already a very charming and chivalrous young lesbian but actually hanging out with doc just made me see that it, it was just so cool and it never went out of fashion and the femmes that i saw doc flirting with adored it because when your chivalry comes from a place of respect and adoration instead of, you know, this thing that you're supposed to do because she's incapable, you know, you don't hold a door open for a woman because she can't hold the door open for herself. You hold the door open for a woman because you would do anything for her because she shouldn't have to lift a finger because she's a goddess, because you worship the ground she works on and you would like to make her life as easy and as pleasant as possible. You're taking it to its extreme, but essentially that that was that was a difference that's where it came from it comes from showing women how much you adore them and enjoy them and respect them and worship them and how grateful you are for how wonderful they make the world and not to mention how easy they often are on the eye you know there's a whole lot wrapped up in it and doc and i shared this love of women and how to treat women oh completely you know doc very much subscribed to my to my sort of ideas of romance and sometimes scoffed a little you know doc was northern and didn't have as much time for sentimentality um as i did but to some extent still approved of of the butchness of of my maneuvers at times um and to get the validation from Doc about something you know, like that was always such a cool moment for me. Such a cool moment. So, yeah, between the sex advice and the relationship advice, you know, Doc had a wealth of experience and was happy to share the times that he'd got it wrong and he'd got it right with me. Um, and he gave such good advice. He really did. Um, and you'd think that I would be able to tell you many stories of the times that Doc and I hung out. But an odd fact of my friendship with Doc is that we never met. We had plenty of opportunities. You know, we had mutual friends in the chat room who we'd both met in real life. 
But there was something about our relationship and our friendship that was so, I don't know, it just meant so much to me that I didn't, I didn't want to risk making it real. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to sully it by bringing it into the, into the real world by, and make it, make it this, this cheap common thing. And at, at some point, you know, we'd known each other for over five years or more and yeah, we just, it became just this weird thing where we just, we both absolutely, you know, loved and respected each other, but we didn't want to meet up. We didn't, we didn't want to see each other in real life. And some of our friends thought that was very odd, but for me, it, it would have, it would have spoiled it. The distance, that digital distance, made it all the easier for us to talk. And to some extent, you know, Doc was often a little more vulnerable than with me, and especially in the later years, than than he would ever appear in the main room. And the fact that we knew we would never meet, I think, helped us both be much more honest and open with each other. I talk to Doc about things I would never be able to say on this podcast and probably never say to another human being, but I could say it in that little grey box with Doc, a person who, you know, I was never going to have to stand in front of. And it just added an extra layer of safety for me and for him. I think as well, because it wasn't, you know, it, it really wasn't a conscious decision early on. It became a conscious decision that, you know, after being pressed that we didn't want to meet, but, you know, we knew each other. I knew, I knew Doc as, as much as I needed to, and Doc knew me as much as he needed to. And it was, you know, meeting in real life wouldn't have changed our friendship for the better. We didn't think, so we didn't do that. And that does make it really hard when a person like Doc dies. And Doc did. Doc did pass away a number of years ago now. Um, and that was really hard to deal with. This new, this new thing to deal with that one of your internet friends has died. And doesn't that sound awful? How cheapen, how much does that cheapen? That totally cheapens the relationship that Doc and I had. That because we didn't meet in the real world, we weren't real friends. And I know nobody that knew us um, ever thought that, but to some extent, even in my own mind, I, I felt a little like that. You know, I sat down and I cried my eyes out when I heard Docker passed. And even now, it's been tough this week thinking of Doc and bringing back all these memories. 
right now my eyes are filling up and I'm trying desperately hard not to cry through this last section of the podcast. Because it was like losing a best friend, you know, like losing a safety net, like losing a hero, a role model. Just knowing that Doc wasn't out there, roll up in hand, pair of boots on, shaved head, stomping around in an abandoned asylum somewhere, taking photos, amazing photos, great eye. But how do you grieve somebody you've never met? You know, how do you explain to the people around you that your heart is broken because of a personality inside a computer that's now gone? Because I think, I think I knew more than Doc as a person. I feel like I knew the very essence of Doc because I feel like Doc knew the very essence of me. And so, yeah, it's still hard now, I think, to not have Doc there. Doc's kind of the reason this podcast exists. Because I wondered where I'd go and who I'd be talking to if I was growing up all over again. And sometimes I look at the internet and how big and how incredible it's become and I wonder if I'd have got as lost in there as I sometimes think. I see a lot of a lot of young people are searching for answers in you know, in and around social media and and asking questions and looking for validation and, and I understand it. I really do every time I see one of those posts I I remember what it was like to do that and to feel like that and to want somebody to just say, yeah, it's okay if that's how you feel and that's who you are and that's how you want to be and hey, it'll be okay, kid. It'll be okay. And so, it's why I'm here. It's why I'm telling my stories. It's so that you know that, that people like me exist. That people like you maybe exist and that it can all turn out okay. You can live your life and, you know, you can potentially find some happiness out there for yourself. You can make some for yourself. And I know that's different depending where you're listening. You know, I really do. I understand that I sit here in an incredibly privileged situation in the UK and I know that's not reflected in many of the countries in which you're listening. And I, I think sometimes that makes it more important to know that, you know, that progress is made elsewhere and that, you know, the future hopefully will be better for you wherever you are, even if it's taking longer right now. Mm. There are other people out there going through the things that you're going through and you're not alone in this so here's to you doc for being what I could see for being absolutely 100% yourself and for sharing that with me 
and for living so boldly and so visibly as to let others know that it could be done. I am so grateful to you and those like you who've gone before and I hope, I hope that I can live up to the example that you set and love a memory of Doc. Thank you for listening to this week's chapter. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you can forgive me from departing from our um, storyline a little bit and indulging myself and you with my memories of Doc and, and how Doc came to be such an important part of my life. I'm sure that I will find ways to bring um, more Doc into chapters as we go ahead, but yeah, just just wanted to share a little bit about a little bit more about Doc with you. Um, so thanks for listening as always. Um, thank you if you have followed on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter if you followed on Twitter fair play to you I don't think I've even logged in there since I set it up so well done you um, don't forget I'm on reddit uh, r slash t-o-a-w-e-l um, come and talk to me in there as well and please 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 if you possibly can leave a review on the podcast platform that you listen upon um, I would be so grateful As always, thank you for the privilege of your time and I hope you have the most excellent week. I will see you next time. Take care. Goodbye.